Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. We're going to go into the Word of God here. And we are in a series called The Church. Isn't that funny? We're talking about the church now. We're going to continue in the series called The Church. If you have not been here for the last several weeks, we have been looking at the book of 1 Timothy. Timothy was the mentee of the Apostle Paul. And Paul wrote this letter to Timothy as Timothy was, was pastoring in Ephesus. Paul wrote this letter said, Timothy, I want you to stay there. I want you to pastor. I want you to guide these people. And the book has all of these instructions on the church. And last week, we looked at 1 Timothy 2.4, which I already quoted. Who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's desire. How does that play out? We looked at last week how prayer is the vital aspect of the church. The church's vital aspect is not innovation. It's not becoming new and trendy. The vital aspect of any church for God's people is prayer. In one verse, one verse alone, just before uh, 2-4, I think it was 2-2, he uses the Greek word for prayer four times. There's only seven of them in the New Testament. He uses it four in one, in one verse. He wants to emphasize how vital prayer is that we as God's people are called to pray for all people, to be praying for our neighbors, but he also called us and challenged us to be praying for our leaders, be praying for our governor, be praying for our president, to be praying for those over us. That is the calling and the challenge within us. Well, today, I'm going to jump to the book of 2 Timothy. Might be thinking, Pastor, you're skipping a bunch of verses. Well, we've still got a couple more weeks in this church series, so I'm probably going to be jumping back to 1 Timothy. But today, I want to jump to the letter of 2 Timothy, and I want to read from chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. So if you have your Bibles, please stand with me as we read the Word of God this morning. We're looking at 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promises of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Once again, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first amongst your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus for before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death, brought life, 
and immortality to light through the gospel for which I am appointed a preacher and apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until the day that has, that has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound word that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good, deposit, and trust it to you. Let us pray. Father, Father, my prayer is for encouragement to your church today. Father, I pray that, that your men and women will be encouraged through your word and through the life of your apostle Paul and through this letter. Father, speak to us. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. So the letter of 2 Timothy uh, is the obviously the second letter written to Timothy that we have. Uh, did Paul write more letters to Timothy? Most likely. Uh, you can see that uh, within this letter, it's a pretty standard opening within Paul in verse 1. I just want to kind of go through the verses today with us. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Paul is the author once again of this book and he reminds Timothy that, that he is the apostle of Christ Jesus, not of his own doing, but it's by the will of God according to the promises. That God has this calling upon Paul's life to be this apostle and he is writing this letter to Timothy. And I love what, how verse 2 says this and it's, it, it's so subtle. He says to Timothy, Obviously, that's who he's writing to, but then he says this. He says, my beloved child. We see these words from Paul and how he kind of opens up this letter to Timothy here. And what you are going to be seeing a few, a few verses down, but Paul is reminding his young mentee. Paul is, is uh, mentoring him. He is reminding Timothy of his love that he has for him. My beloved child. I shared this last time. Paul was aging in years. He was not a spring chicken when he penned this letter. But he recognizes that, that this kingdom message gets passed on, and he's looking to Timothy, saying, Timothy, you are my beloved child. And he says this in verses 3 and 4, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, Timothy. Night and day, as I remember your tears, in verse 4, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I share this opening with us today because I want us just to kind of grasp how Timothy is hearing the words from Paul. Paul is penning this letter to him to bring him encouragement, to, to also to be challenging him, but within these, within these words, you can see the tenderness Paul has towards Timothy, and there's a reason why he is so tender towards him. He recognizes that he is a child in faith, you know, he, he has been mentoring him, he's been leading him, he has been asking him to be leading this church. And I love how Paul says, I just long to see you. I would be filled with joy if I could see you, Timothy. 
Now, we have to remember, and I know you guys totally get this, they didn't have FaceTime, they didn't have internet back then. They couldn't just reach out and see each other anytime they wanted. As he's penning this letter, he's like, Timothy, I, I think about you constantly. I'm praying for you day and night. It would make, it'd make so much joy if I could just see you and be with you. Timothy, I love you, my child. He even commands or commends Timothy for his faith in verses 5 and 6. He says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Verse 6, for this reason I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. I want to just throw this little tidbit information out there. This is like a mini sermon within a sermon. If you are a grandparent in this room, if you're a parent in this room, look at how Timothy's grandparent, grandmother, and mother affected Timothy. I just, I just want to just share this one real, real quick with you guys here. Paul recognizes that Timothy's grandmother and his mother had this sincere faith in Jesus and how this sincere faith gets passed down. We can sometimes forget this, but grandparents, how you live, your faith, affects your children, affects your grandchildren. How you live, they see, they witness it every single day. And for Timothy's life, Timothy just so happened to grow up in a home where his grandparents and his parents had sincere faith in Christ. And Paul just kind of mentions this, like, it, it amazes me at how the faith that was in your grandmother and mother has been passed down to you, and I believe that it is in you, Timothy. I just, I just share that a little bit as a little bit of an encouragement to you grandparents and parents. Keep the faith. The grandchildren are watching you. How you love them, how you care for them, they're watching you. They see it. And the faith that is within you, you are a witness to the family members. Okay. Enough of that here. Back to verse 6. I love verse 6. Put this one back up there if you can. He says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into the flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love. In verse 7. He says, Fan that flame within you, Timothy. Now, you guys all know what it takes to get a fire started, and I don't have to give an analogy or a video clip, but you can imagine getting a fire started, and in order for a fire to be going well, you got to fan it. It needs oxygen. And here, he's using this analogy within and to Timothy. I want you to remind you to fan into the flame, the gift of God. And he reminds Timothy, Timothy, God does not give us a spirit of fear. For God gave us spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. We're going to come back to that here. But why is Paul opening this letter this way? I know you guys are all sitting there thinking those exact words, right? You guys are just like, all right, pastor, what's the whole point of all of this? Paul is reminding Timothy of how much he loves him, but then 
He reminds Timothy of his faith. Timothy, you've got this faith that has been passed down, and I want you to fan into that faith here. There's a reason why. Because Timothy, at this point in time, is really struggling. Timothy um, has been linked to Paul at this point for many, many years. And Timothy, Timothy is starting to become a little bit ashamed. Paul doesn't just come out and say that here, but as we look at these texts, we see that there's something going on within Timothy that Paul wants to help him, you could say, get over, to be working through. But there's something going on in Timothy that Paul has to give him some encouragement here. This is why he is saying, listen, don't be ashamed. And Timothy was probably feeling a little bit ashamed by this time. Now, it doesn't just come out and like say this here, but you can kind of just recognize like what is happening. His mentor, Paul, what's happening to Paul? Anybody know? He's in prison. He's not just in prison. He's kind of in and out of prison. Paul's life is marked by being in prison. And let me just tell you something. Prison at that time was no easy road. It's not like, you know, sometimes when we like read scriptures and we can, you know, hear, you know, I'm, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul, Paul pens that over and over. But prison was not a glamorous thing back then. It was terrible. Absolutely terrible. It's actually no better today. You know, like if, I don't know if you've been to prison, but I recently saw a video online that I was like, I don't ever want to go to prison. It sounds like a horrendous place. Does not sound like it's fun. Does not sound like there's a lot of joy and love and peace going on there. It is horrendous. Well, Timothy knows that his mentor, Paul, this is Paul's life. Paul's life is marked by prison. He's constantly in prison. If he's not in prison, he's on a boat and that boat's going down. He's he's going to be shipwrecked. He's going to be getting beat. Timothy's life, he sees this. He sees Paul. And Paul recognizes, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I, I know my life is marked by this, and we're gonna, actually going to be uh, seeing this fan out here. And he says, Timothy, don't be ashamed, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. Look at verse 8 here. The reason why Paul has to say this is because Timothy was feeling it. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Why would Paul even have to say that? He's saying it because Timothy was feeling ashamed. Timothy is human. We, we like can't forget that. He had emotions. He had ups and downs. It wasn't like Timothy was just this perfect being. Paul is giving him this letter to give him some encouragement. And he, he says this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, and look at this, nor of me, his prisoner. Timothy, I recognize that there, are, that there is people probably saying stuff about me. Timothy, I recognize that you see my life, and my life is marked with suffering. And Timothy sees this, and he knows it. Now, I did not bring this one up here, but just real quick, Nero was in charge at this time. If you look at human history now, you guys are probably thinking, who is Nero? I want you to Google Nero today. He was the leader of the Roman Empire. And if you want to talk about horrendousness, 
of what happened to God's people at this time. It's still happening throughout the entire world, but Nero is in charge. Prison is not good. Nero is feeding Christians to lions. He's setting them on fire. Like, like, like this is all marked. Timothy recognizes the cultural markings of being a Christian at this time. Not good. And he's pulling back. We don't know how much he is pulling back. We don't know how much shame he is having. But Paul pens this letter to him because Paul, Paul recognizes Timothy maybe wasn't being as bold as what he used to be. Maybe Timothy's drawn back a little bit in his messages. Maybe Timothy's feeling a little bit ashamed. And Paul says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Guys, that ask right there, keep that verse up there if you can. Look at this. Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of this gospel message. Don't be ashamed of me. And then Paul has the audacity to, to pen this and say, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Timothy, I understand. It's a difficult road. You have heard horrendous stories. Timothy might even have gotten beaten at this time himself. Paul is saying, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't, be, don't even be ashamed of me. But share in suffering for the gospel. Join me, Timothy, in this suffering. And I know here at Woodland, I tend to preach on this a lot. I don't know why, but I feel like every month I'm talking about suffering for his church. Maybe God is preparing us, but it's all throughout the entire New Testament. You can't get away from it. You read God's word, his people, I hate to break it to you, are going to suffer. Like, go back to the beginning, the book of Genesis. What happens to God's people down in Egypt? They having a good time? Suffering. They come out of Egypt. Guess what happens? More suffering. Jesus comes, proclaims, guess what? God's people suffer constantly. They're constantly under suffering. And when Paul writes this letter, Timothy, whatever's happening within him, Paul's trying to draw this out of him. Timothy, don't be ashamed of this message. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of any of this. But join me in this suffering. And I love how he puts it. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Timothy recognizes that the power of God will sustain him in his suffering. God sustains us. Join me, Timothy. Join me in this endeavor. Guys, this is, this is such a bold ask. I mean, I mean, really, like, think about this. Culturally, things are horrendous. The government is persecuting Christians, jailing them, beating them, feeding them lions, doing, doing horrendous stuff. And then the guy who you've been following, who has been mentoring you, recognizes all this has taken place. He's in prison. And then he writes to me and says, join me. Join me. Who wants to go? Like, like, say, have you ever thought about that? Like, say, like, if you know by proclaiming the gospel, 
by, by being bold with who God is, his calling, who wants to go on this ride? I'm telling you guys, in the flesh, nobody in here is saying, Pastor, sign me up. Pastor, that sounds like a great plan. I'm, I, I, I don't have enough suffering going on. You know what, Pastor? I've been thinking about my life, and my life's actually a little bit too good. Uh, I would like to join Paul in this suffering. Guys, this is an incredible ask that Paul makes to Timothy. He, he knows that in the flesh, this is the hardest thing you can do. Nobody here wants to suffer, right? I say this like, like nobody. Like, I don't want to be, be suffering here. But there's a reason why. There's a reason why Paul is so bold in this ask. There's a reason why, why Paul's not ashamed. He's not even ashamed to be asking Timothy to be joined. Look at verse 9. Why is this calling Timothy to suffer? Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but, be, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he has given which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Verse 10. In which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound word that you have heard from me, Timothy, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I want to just spend a quick moment rehashing these verses here because I think it is so important for us to understand how this letter is playing out. Timothy, I love you. Timothy, I love your faith. Don't be ashamed. But this is why. This is why. Look at verse 9. Look at the end of it. The Lord did this all for you. His grace and his purpose, he gave this to you, Timothy, and in Christ Jesus, before the ages began. Timothy, this is your destiny. Man, that, these are such difficult words to swallow. Imagine Timothy reading this letter. It's by destiny. God has planted this within me before the ages of time. That this, that this is my calling. This is the road the Lord has for me. Yes, it is, Timothy. And the reason why... Verse 10, and now which has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Timothy, this gospel message, this gospel that, that you're going to suffer for, that's not going to be a whole lot of fun. You might be in prison. You're probably going to be beat. You could be burned at the stake. Timothy, this gospel is totally worth it. Because what does it do? He says, who abolishes death and brought life and immortality to light. How does he do that? Through the gospel. That's how it gets accomplished. This Jesus, 
the Savior of the world, has abolished death, church family, has brought people from death to life, has given immortality to mankind. And it only happens one way. It happens through the gospel. It doesn't happen by just being a good person and being kind. It happens through this gospel message getting proclaimed, and it penetrates hearts and minds, and it transforms men and women. And it happens every single day around this entire world. And Paul is saying, I'm telling you, Timothy, I love you. I've called you. This is your calling. In this gospel, it brings life to mankind. In church, I, as I was thinking about this today, and like what I previously said, I talk about suffering a lot. And maybe it's because I don't think the American church is ready. You know how good we've had it for so long? I hate just like bring this up, not to make us feel, feel like guilty for having a good life. There's, don't be feeling guilty by that. You did not choose to be born here in this century at this time. Acts makes it very clear. God chose you to be born at this specific time in a specific place. But I just think we have it so good that, that this grasp on suffering is so difficult for us to really get a hold of. But if we're not reminded on why this calling is upon us, it's because of this gospel that we are called to proclaim. This gospel message abolishes death. Think about that. It's gone. When men and women come to faith in Jesus Christ, death is no more upon them. They're going to physically die, but they're spending eternity with their Savior in heaven. This gospel message brings men and women to life. The Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. What's going to save us? The gospel. This gospel message. And Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy's backing away. Timothy's a little bit nervous about what is taking place. And I think as I think about the church in America right now, it is so easy to shrink back. I'm not going to say anything. I'm, I'm not going to proclaim God's word. I'm just going to let them be. Church, there's life and death at stake. And your calling my calling, your calling, is to be a witness for Christ. I say this all the time. Your calling, my calling, is not to be changing hearts and lives. The gospel, the Holy Spirit, God does that. But our calling is not to back away from this gospel. Not to, not to be like, well, I better not say anything. I just want to just keep the peace. And I realize I am the outspoken person in this room that I am the crazy one. I totally get that. But I think that as you read God's word, this is the calling. Because as Paul pens this letter, Timothy's backing away. Timothy's feeling a little bit ashamed of the gospel and of who Paul is. And he's like, oh, I don't know, Paul, this suffering thing, I don't know. And Paul writes this letter and looks at him and says, Timothy, this is your calling. This is your destiny. This is what it is about. And the reason why is because this message that we carry, church family, saves the world. It brings men and women to life. Men and women who are walking around us in death and in darkness. And this gospel message awakens them 
to our Lord and Savior, and they realize who Jesus is and what he has done. And I want to just encourage us today with this. Don't back down. Don't be ashamed. Like, like walk boldly in who you are. You are loved by the Creator. He loves you. He has called you. And we can't get nervous if we get, well, what if I get canceled? What if someone doesn't like these words? It's the gospel message. They may not like it. They may hate you for it. It's okay. There's so many warnings. Jesus even says, they're going to hate you. They're not going to like you. It's not even you. It's me. They actually hate me. Because the light shined into darkness, and the world hated the light. They loved darkness, Jesus says. And I just want to encourage us today, church family, I know I say this a lot, but I want you to be encouraged by the word of God to not be ashamed, to walk in power of the gospel through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who dwells within you is what Paul references here, for you to be a witness in this world. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, I, I don't want any of you to, to stand before the king and say, well, God, I, I never told anybody. I never told a soul. Well, why was that, Sam? Ah, I just, uh, I, um, um, I felt a little embarrassed at times, and um, I thought, well, I, I don't want to rock the boat, and uh, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to step out, and you know, I just. I, I was trying to be a peacekeeper. I'm sorry, church. It's not going to cut it. And I say this to warn you, but also to encourage you. Be his witness. Boldly proclaim who he is. Don't be a jerk about it. Love them, but bring them the gospel and watch God work. He's going to do some amazing things. When men and women, you can read any sort of Christian history book. I love reading about old-time preachers, uh, uh, Dwight Moody, and uh, some of these old-time preachers that they just simply were like, I have to just proclaim who Jesus is. And then God worked. Moody, he would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night. He had one goal every single day. He had one goal, proclaim the gospel to at least one person every single day. He would sometimes wake up at like 2 o'clock. I didn't tell anybody about Jesus. He'd go out onto the street, just find, find someone. Hey, I, I got to tell you about Jesus. And right then and there, the men give his life to the Lord. It's just by his church proclaiming. All right, I'm done preaching. I'm tired of just harping on you guys and on me. As I think about how we close service, I don't think there's any better way to close service than for us to take communion together. The reason why is because as Paul encouraged Timothy to not be ashamed, guys, communion is us proclaiming who Christ is and what he has done for us. We've got uh, Roy, if you did not get the elements, Roy, uh, Roy is going to come forward. Just lift up a hand. We have got time. Roy's going to get you some, some, some elements here. And we got a few. Well, we got some, some more up here. Roy, thank you. Roy will just walk around. But as Roy is passing out the elements here, I want to remind you as a church why we do this. We are an open church, meaning if you are here today, and if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
you're welcome to be taking communion with us. We're not a church that you have to be a member or sign some sort of document. If you confess Christ, we want to take communion as a family together. But I want to remind us today what Jesus did for us and why we proclaim his gospel. We have two elements here. we got the bread and the juice, and his bread represents his body. His body that was nailed to that cross for us because he loves us, because he desires us, because he wants to be with us. That's how much God loves us. He said he would send his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he did that by the sacrifice of his body. He was fully God and fully man, and he stepped down into time, and his body was beaten by Rome, and they nailed him to that cross and put the crown on his head, and he sacrificed himself for us. It's the most amazing thing in the entire world, that he would sacrifice himself for people that didn't even want him, for men and women who were far off, And Jesus said, I'm doing this because I want him. Church family, that's what the bread represents. And then his blood. I love how, I forgot to uh, put this one up there, but I did make a note in here. Jesus reminds us that his blood, which is poured out, he says this in the book of Matthew, is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That his blood was literally poured out to wash away and to forgive us of our sins. Not only did he suffer for us, but he also forgave us. He, He forgives us. And it's nothing that we did. It's all simply because we come to him by faith. And we say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I trust you for the work that you've done for us. Church family, I want us to pray, and then I want us to take the bread together, and then I'm going to pray, and I want to take the juice together here. Father, Father, we come today, Lord, we proclaim the love that you have for us and what you've done for us on that cross. Father, we are unworthy, but you came anyways. You sacrificed yourself. You took the pain and you went to that cross for us. Father, we proclaim the goodness of who you are. Father, I thank you for how you love your church, how you love your people. Lord, we proclaim what you've done for us today. Church family, let's take the bread together. Let's pray over the juice as well. Lord Jesus, once again I praise you. I thank you for your blood which was poured out for the, for the forgiveness of my sin. Jesus, you forgive us. You forgive us of all of our past sins, our current sins, our future sins. Father, you forgive us through your blood. You sacrificed yourself for us. 
Father, we proclaim this today. Lord, we trust your forgiveness today. Lord, I pray that if there is anyone in this room that's still walking in shame and walking in guilt, Lord, Father, remind them today of the love and the grace that you have upon their lives through what your Son has done for them. Father, we proclaim this together as your church family. We love you and we praise you. Church family, let's take it together here.